0: everybody. How's it going? I am Chuck Anderson, and this is episode three of the Life and Limb podcast. Really appreciate you checking this show out and listening. Uh means a lot to me uh, because it really wouldn't be much without you listening. Uh, I guess it would be something. It would be me recording conversations with people, which I think qualifies a lot more as just a dude being creepy than, than a podcast, I, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Oh, geez. This thing's been a lot of fun to make so far. Uh, I think I've said that at the kind of this little monologue section at the beginning of every show. Um, It really is. It's a lot of fun. And I, you know, um, I've been really enjoying doing it. And, um, you know, today's a really fun one. I have uh, Trey Kirby with me. Uh, Trey is a basketball writer and the blog editor and co-host of NBA TV's new show, The Starters. And uh, you know, it's, it was really cool to ask Trey a bunch of questions about you know the journey he's been on to basically go from a kid who just loved basketball and then eventually started a blog about it uh, to now being on a set that films in NBA's studios every single day in Atlanta. And, you know, just to hear about how he got from A to B and uh, what it's like to, you know, just be really living amongst his passion every single day is really cool. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where whether you like basketball or the NBA or sports or not, uh, you know, I think we can really appreciate, you know, just seeing somebody's, you know, trajectory from going from simple hobby to, you know, their profession. And um, I just really enjoy it. So. Uh, have a really good conversation with Trey and uh, learning about everything he's been through. Um, one thing I just want to mention real quick, uh, I do these interviews online and we you know record them over Skype and everything. And so uh, every now and then with some of these, there may be a little bit of distortion or, you know, kind of, it's just a little bit of a screwed up voice coming in from the other end. So I uh, just want to give a little disclaimer on that when you're uh, listening, if you're you know, it's not on your end. It's, uh, it's over here, but that's the way it just kind of is. And it's no big deal. It's all good. Uh, I think, uh, I listened back and it bothers you for a second, but as long as you're aware of it, it's uh, no big deal. So anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Trey Kirby on life and limb. Please enjoy. (laughs) Hey, uh, what's going on, everybody? Today I am joined by uh, basketball writer, blog editor, and co-host of uh, NBA TV's The Starters, Trey Kirby. Trey, what's going on, man?
1: Oh, you know, just sitting around watching yeah. basketball as usual.
0: Yeah, and you're watching, the, you're watching the Cleveland Cavaliers play the New York Knicks because that's uh, the most exciting one you could find. Or <laughs> yeah, no? a real
1: blockbuster matchup for sure. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so, uh, I mean... Do you get to? I mean, just do you get ever sick of sitting around watching basketball? I mean, it like a silly question, but I can't imagine that being the job description that that ever gets really, uh, ever get, really gets old.
1: Every single Friday, it gets old after a whole week of watching games and talking about basketball. It feels like feels like it's all basketball all the time. Then Friday, it's nice to just sit back and catch up on Survivor. You know, maybe <laughs> see some Parks and wreck. Uh, But then by Saturday afternoon, I'm itching to see what actually happened Friday night.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, by the time the end of the week rolls around, you kind of feel like you've kind of had enough and you just reset the next day and it's back to it, I guess. Yeah, Um,
1: it's just so stressful having to watch so much basketball, you know.
0: (laughs) Dude, it's a rough, rough, rough uh, life sometimes, (laughs) you know. but uh, all right. So, you know, it's, it's crazy because uh, you and I have kind of uh, sort of, you know, known each other, I guess, very loosely over the years. Uh, and it's been really fun to watch you kind of come from doing your own thing a while back uh, with uh, that was the blowtorch, right? Back, like years mm-hmm. ago, you did like, like eight years ago now. Uh, was that sound about right? Eight, nine years ago? Um,
1: uh, I definitely started it at, like when there was a bunch of articles in you know time magazine and newsweek about this new blogging software called blogger uh (laughs) so yeah i mean i've been internet writing since probably definitely i would say 2004 that's um that's when i first started actually caring about it you know that's when i was in college and and the internet was really popping off and uh if I'm not mistaken, a long, long time ago, back with the blowtorch, uh, I had somebody make me a banner image, and I sent him a picture of uh, your very first book, you know, the the littler one, and it's got a no pattern written on it all, uh, like a bunch of different sort of lines, and it's <laughs> yeah. all scraggly. I said, this looks awesome. Rip this off for me with basketball players in the back.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'm going to, due to legal reasons, I think I got to end this one early and, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, nice talking about yeah, it. man, it was really good. I, I, this is like the shortest one. Th- sub three minutes is the goal when it gets, uh, fishy like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. Um, and so, okay. So you started the, the blowtorch, which was kind of like your early, like your, your sort of early foray into, into blogging. Um, and just totally fast forwarding to right now you're sitting on TV Uh, as one of the co-hosts of the starters which is fully now you know associated with nba which is which is crazy so obviously a lot has had to you know sort of happen between you know between then and now and um I think what's crazy is I was reading I was reading an older interview with you where you kind of talked about how you shot an email over to um, J.E. Skeets and Tas Mellis, who are mm-hmm. the guys that started the Basketball Jones and kind of told them about your interest in the show. Um, so, you know, being someone who did a similar thing to sort of pick up clients when I first got started, I thought that was awesome. And you've, you know, figured out a way to, I guess at the time, uh, get that turned into a, a gig, which I don't know. I mean, how did so I mean, what was the story behind that?
1: Well, basically, uh, Skeets and Tass started the Basketball Jones a long, long time ago. And uh, it just happened to, to start when I was, you know, I was getting old enough that I was in the internet and I was getting my own kind of, you know, day jobs where I'm sitting at a computer all the time. And there was nothing like what they were doing, really. So uh, it was just great to listen to. And I just became a fan. And you listen to a daily podcast for a long enough time, and it's almost impossible to not feel like you're becoming friends with these people and the basketball internet back in those days at the very least was uh, such a f- such a friendly place where you can just shoot people e- emails and everybody's glad to hear from everybody just because it means somebody's hearing from you you know
0: right yeah especially and, especially that i mean so when did they start it when did it first kind of like when was the very like first basketball jones podcast
1: I think they are in year – this is season eight, I believe, for them. I think they are uh, like started around 2006, right around uh, Kobe Bryant's 81-point game yeah. uh, against the Raptors. But uh, but basically, uh, I was just a huge, huge fan of theirs. I emailed them. I told them I was a fan. Skeets at the time uh, – well, maybe not at the time, but pretty soon after that was uh, becoming the editor for Ball Don't Lie over on Yahoo. So I would uh, pepper him with links to the stuff I wrote. He liked it okay. Eventually, he hired me to do like a weekly column for Ball Don't Lie that became a bi-weekly column and then the next thing you know, I'm I'm taking over for him there and they're bringing me to Canada and suddenly I live in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. That's I, one of the main things I wanted to ask you about uh, was you know the journey from where you're from originally. So let's kind of start there. You're from the Chicago area. Right? or You're from Illinois. I don't want to say Chicago area, um, if you know, because I know you're kind of from like way out of nowhere, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you probably realize that uh, when people grow up outside of Chicago in the Chicago sub. Chicago just comes becomes a shorthand for where you're from because it's way easier than explaining. Oh, I'm from Plano, Illinois. It's yeah. an hour southwest of <laughs> Chicago. We're really famous for making tackle boxes.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, so, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I grew up, um, like I said, Plano. You know, a tiny, tiny town. But but uh, uh, I I consider myself from near Chicago and close. Tell people is, as shorthand is, for where I'm actually from. Does Plano
0: have gummo vibes?
1: Uh, Plano is. Um, Plano is the kind of place that the high school sports mascot is the Reapers and it sounds fearsome until you realize that that is the original name for the corn harvesting machine that they used in like the 1800s. So (laughs) the fearsome Plano Reapers were really just a harvester.
0: So it's not really like a badass like Death Reaper in a hood and he's got like a (laughs) a super metal logo or anything like that.
1: No, for the longest time, our football helmets literally just said "Plano" on them with a piece of wheat sticking over them. fearsome <laughs> <laughs> purple and white too.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's that's great. And I think the the, the fun thing about growing up in Chicago in the '90s, uh, well, not in Chicago because I mean I was in the, I'm from the suburbs as well. So I think what's cool is that just being anywhere in Illinois, you get the sort of uh, get to be guilty by association, I guess, because of the Bulls and uh, Jordan and that whole era. So would you say that that was, I mean, just pretty much, you know, responsible that 90s Bulls era for elevating your interest in basketball to where you felt like if I can make something out of this, I'm going to?
1: I don't think I ever had any dreams of being anything involved with basketball, except for, of course, wanting to be a basketball player when I was a kid. But uh, obviously, I mean, how are you going to not how are you going to grow up around there and not become obsessed with basketball with, you know, Michael Jordan? It's impossible.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's funny because I I have so many friends who grew up on basketball in the area and it was just always like a no brainer. And when you talk to people who aren't from Chicago or even Illinois, you find out that it was actually the same for those people too. Like you could have grown up in, you know, New York and chances are like you were kind of a Patrick Ewing fan but like (laughs) not really you were mostly rooting for Jordan like if you were a kid at least because it was just nothing like it and really hasn't been much like him since um but uh so where did you so I mean did you play basketball as a kid and then
1: oh oh yeah I've uh I've been tall for for my grade and where I'm at uh, my whole life so Yeah, and I I went to a small school, so it was pretty easy to play basketball when you're, you know, the tallest kid in the school. So were you a but, center? Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I was a center. Uh, the foot speed never really came for the big lumbering guy.
0: No, <laughs> well, that's all right. You know, you got your place then, and everybody needs at least a one tall dude, I guess, on the team. Um, but. So, did you, I mean, where did you eventually go to school and then, uh, you know, college and, and your degree and stuff? Because I know, <laughs> I, w- I won't spoil it. I know uh, the other day, I think uh, you mentioned on the show um, what your degree was and how useless it is. And I just.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's the exact right term for it. Um, after, sc- after high school, I went to Benedictine University, which is a just a small school in Lyle, Illinois. I went there because they had one of the best pre-med programs. In the nation, and I was going to become a doctor, and then I got to school, and having fun became a little more fun than uh, doing schoolwork. So my health science degree that I worked four years and a lot of money for, uh, it's not really coming in handy that much when I'm working for NBA TV, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you do get to do but, some of the injury analysis, maybe, you know?
1: Yeah, I know the bones they're talking about when somebody breaks a hand, that's yeah, about it. Yeah. But uh, when you go to college you're learning, you're learning your stuff, you know, you're learning whatever your major is. But the main thing I I learned from that is you're just writing all the time. Right. And when you're writing all the time, even, even if you're writing about, you know, if you're writing about hypotheses and scientific method and all this kind of silly stuff, and eventually writing is just writing. So you just know how to put sentences together. You just know how to to make thoughts turn into sentences and you know how to get your thoughts out there. And that becomes a kind of a valuable thing, no matter what you're doing.
0: Do you remember the very first thing that you wrote about basketball where you like the first time you started your blog and you actually sat down and like your very first post ever, you know, what what happened with that?
1: Oh, my, (laughs) I think my very, very first post ever on the blowtorch was a review of um the documentary by the game so this was uh this was before I was a little focused on basketball but one of the first things I really remember writing about uh about basketball that that just sticks in my head for whatever reason is that I thought Andres Biedrins would become an all defensive team player eventually this was very early in his career when he was promising and would shoot the ball and could actually stay on the court and wouldn't foul all the time he's got some of the best
0: hair in the NBA it's always never doesn't move at all that gel just really keeps it solid.
1: Yeah. And you know, he's, uh, my wife's, uh, family is Latvian. So he's still a big household favorite around here, but there's not <laughs> a lot of Andres Biedrin's buzz around the league. These days.
0: <laughs> not a lot of Latvian players either. So it kind of easy to, to grip <laughs> yeah, onto exactly, that, I guess. Right. Um, so, uh, okay. So the first one was sort of a non-basketball related sort of entry. And then did you eventually just sort of feel like you were finding a niche? I mean, was, you know, uh, at this at this point, I'm, I can't think of the timeline off, you know, right off the top of my head, but um, had Bill Simmons really kind of come on the scene yet and made basketball and sports sort of like merged in with pop culture in the way that has, has become such a staple of sports writing now?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I remember reading Simmons so religiously when I was, you know, a freshman and sophomore in college that, Uh, I learned the trick where his columns would come out on a certain day and the ESPN uh, URL address would have, the date would be like 130801, and that would mean it came out on August 1st, uh, 2013. So if it happened to be that day and his column hadn't come out yet and you knew it was, you could plug in that sort of thing just to kind of get a sneak preview of it. I was that obsessed with Simmons. So, So, yeah, I mean, he, how could you not love reading simmons as such a change as such like an internet presence compared to you know just any sort of of the dry sort of
0: writing and stuff that was that was out there yeah
1: i mean i'm i don't want to say before simmons it was a hundred percent this way but before simmons it was kind of just um it was sports writing you know and then once once he started becoming popular it was it was sports writing with a pop culture edge and that sort of thing is right where that's exactly what I'm interested in. You know, I, I I love basketball so much, but I also love watching television. I love seeing Will Smith movies. I love playing video games. (laughs) I love music. So to hear that kind of stuff and to, and to see the way that like, to see that somebody who sort of thinks the way you do, even if you're not totally agreeing with them all the time is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great because, you know, as someone who's a visual artist, I think the cues for me to get inspired or someone who's, you know, an artist or designer or whatever and works kind of purely in like the, you know, a visual realm, it's a lot easier to sort of, you know, to put your finger on where your inspiration comes from. There's so many artists out there. It's just been something that's been, you know, around forever. And as someone who's in a much more kind of niche thing that you that you do and that you're interested in to have somebody do it in a in a way like he did and really kind of break uh, break out where it became such a popular and accessible thing just has to be sort of uh like a bit of an epiphany, I suppose, where you think like, Oh man, shit, like this guy's doing, you know, cro- sort of like the cross section of all this pop culture stuff and and music and movies and tying that in with basketball. So, I mean, I can imagine that that would be a pretty awesome thing to see somebody doing something that you would have loved to do and maybe didn't even realize there was a job for it.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. It was it was the combination of Simmons becoming popular, the internet becoming uh, a place where you can publish whatever you want, basically, and I and also around uh, I would guess two thousand and three, probably two thousand four. I don't know. It uh, was the first time I ever read Chuck Klosterman's Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, and I don't know if you've read it, but uh, there's a chapter in there. Uh, basically about Larry Bird slash the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're in college and you read Klosterman and the way he writes and how funny he is and his dry sense of humor and how sarcastic he is, and he's writing about basketball, a sport that you love, it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean – that's great. I think I think that's so cool. Because then to, again, to tie back in the fact that you just re- reached out to those guys to um, Taz and Skeets and, and told them you're of your interest, and they brought you on board. I mean, just what a great like just sort of coming together of all these things at the right time. And I'm sure you know, they had other people hitting them up and stuff. But at the same time, maybe not. I mean, that's what I always used to wonder, like, aren't there other people emailing? Like, why am I getting positive responses when I reach out? And I think especially back in like the mid two thousands, you know, especially pre Twitter, pre Facebook, um, where it seemed a lot harder to get a hold of people. Um, if you actually took, you know, the time to reach out and like get a hold of somebody, I think you probably it was a lot easier to stand out.
1: Yeah, I so. think that that's part of it. I think um, I'm. I don't know that uh, they appreciated it as much as as <laughs> I thought they did. But uh, the persistence is there, and one of the things is just being consistent. And I mean, I think that 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 uh that plays a part in in this sort of thing too, where you know you want to be writing every day, you want to be seen every day, you want to be getting better at what you're doing every day, and if that includes trying to network a little bit, if that includes telling the people that you like that you like them, you think they're awesome, if there's anything you can do to help, then maybe it turns out that way,
0: yeah uh, the interview you did with uh pick and Australian, like basketball blog. Um, you have a quote and I, I wrote this, I wrote it out on Twitter and uh, tweeted it out last week. Um, and I love it. It was just like, I, I feel like I, well, I should ask, but I was wondering when I read it, if you were just kind of being goofy and didn't realize how profound it, so- it sounded, but, um, you, you basically the, you know, um, you, you, you said, uh, I work very hard. The work I do isn't very serious, but I'm very serious about it. Um, I mean, that's, I don't know. I just, I love that, you know, I mean, like it, it there's a place in the world for, you know, uh, people to do work that revolves around something that isn't quote unquote serious. Mm-hmm. But if you're really serious about it and take it seriously and do it, you know, well, obviously not take it seriously in this sense, but Um, you know, you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. So I mean, what's kind of what kind of like goes into your thinking when you say the work you do isn't very serious, but you're very serious about it?
1: I'll tell you now that that's easily the wisest thing I've ever said. Like when I saw it, when I saw it block quoted on um on pick and roll. I was like, "Wow, that does seem like a really nice piece of life advice, right there." <laughs> it really does. I couldn't believe it, but um, You're
0: like I said that too. Like
1: yeah, I was like, "Wow, that is actually insightful." But uh, <laughs> but um, but basically, you know, it just. It, the only thing is just working hard, and I think that that's and that's exactly what it is. Like I mean, yeah, I'm talking about basketball every day. It's it's not a life changing thing, but there are so many people uh, out there who you know are bored at work, want to read something on the internet that'll make them laugh, that love basketball, want to hear some people hear some people that see the game the way they do, that take the game seriously, but also realize. <laughs> This is hilarious that we're just watching people right. play basketball. Right, you know, right. I mean, it's it's not the most important thing in the world, but if you work at it, if you're putting in the time to get better at talking about the game, at understanding the game, and this goes for anything. If you're putting in the time to to learn about it and to to get better at it, you're gonna get good at it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's important for a lot of people to hear is I think a lot of people, you know, maybe do something that, you know, like, I mean, it's crazy. You were going to be a doctor, you were going to be you know are you your, well, your original well who knows no, <laughs> okay okay i
1: wanted to be a doctor i told my mom i was going to be a doctor i don't know i don't know how great <laughs> it
0: would be so there was I, some pursuit of being in the medical field i'll put yeah. it that way i'll put it that way um there was a pursuit for you at one point of being in that medical field which is a very serious profession i mean as serious as it gets really and then to be doing something that's you know it's kind of so, you know, as you put it, kind of, you know, non-serious, I suppose, but be serious about it. I mean, I think people, most people would love to rather do a job that revolves around something, whatever it is that they love, they don't have to be serious about it, but they take it very serious. And I don't know, I just think that is awesome. And it is funny, like you said, to see it block quoted out like that really put the the stamp of, you know, it being profound on, on there. It's the first thing you see when you go to this blog entry, and it's like, Wow. This guy's a genius. That's, that's good words. (laughs) Um, so, okay, so kind of moving up up towards when you actually left the country, you went from living uh, here and you went to Toronto to join those guys. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, I mean, how do you, how did you like living in, in Toronto and, and going to Canada? That's something that I feel like everybody says, you know, every four years elections roll around right. and if this dude gets elected, I'm moving or if this happens to this country, I'm moving and no one ever does it. I think you're the only person I knew who, who went from uh, the U.S. to Canada, so... <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
1: it's pretty rare to to move to Canada to talk about basketball. That's not a very uh, common thing. But uh, I'm lucky to have a wife who likes to travel, likes to go places. And so it, basically, it just came down to uh, we were gonna, we just wanted to move. We wanted to move to a new city. We were either gonna move downtown Chicago, we were gonna move to Madison, Wisconsin, or we were gonna move to Toronto because we had visited, uh, we had visited Tass and Skeets and. Just made friends with some of their friends, and we just loved the city. We thought it was awesome. Yeah, and Toronto's it, a great city. Yeah, and then it just worked out that they wanted me to work with them. I was like, "Well, that's a perfect, perfect reason to move to Toronto." And we spent uh, a little more than two and a half years there, and it was awesome. We, the people in Toronto, are awesome. the The environment of it is is so laid back and so relaxed, and just it's just very Easy to be in Toronto, I feel like, and the change from you know to Chicago to Toronto is not that big of a deal. It's like living in a slightly more French version of Chicago, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. pretty similar. They're both like on the lake, you know, and you get the same sort of seasons. Living in Toronto was easy, and uh, I mean. Free healthcare is not a joke. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it was crazy. We went in within a, a couple of weeks of being there, got like our SIN card, which is basically your social security number, got our health card. And my wife and I, we got our pictures taken. They gave us our health card and we're like, all right, so who do we pay for this? And they're like, oh, no, you're good. We're like, oh, awesome. We're in Canada now. This is great.
0: <laughs> no $15, you know, copay, <laughs> yes. no $500 thing here. It was you amazing. Know. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I always hear that and I'm like, but it's not really free. Like it's not actually free. And like, no, it is. It's really free.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're paying a lot in taxes, but I don't know. It's cool.
0: Yeah, it's but but I mean Thing. Yeah, but, but you don't really have to like th- think about it so much, you know. When you pay it in the tax, the taxes, you don't have to shell it out each time you go do anything, I guess. Exactly. So that makes it nice. Um, so, did you find Toronto to actually be like a really good basketball city compared to the, all the U.S. cities you'd been to and, and experienced in relation to basketball? I mean, the Raptors are, you know, they're a they're a team. So
1: they, they're certainly a team. It's it's hard to say. When we lived there, the Raptors had just lost Chris Bosh, who, I mean, he was their franchise player. And I love Chris Bosh. I think he's a solid player. I think he's probably the funniest guy in the NBA. But if he is your franchise player, your team is not that exciting. And then if you lose him as a franchise player, it's not – It's. I mean, there's just kind of a vacuum of charisma there.
0: Yeah, they seem like they've always had so many like great potential guys who stuck around just long enough and then moved on.
1: Yeah, and the thing, the, people will tell you that uh, hockey is the biggest thing in Canada, but it is it is bigger than the biggest thing in Canada. At, I mean, you, uh, basketball, it's not like basketball is the second favorite sport there or the third favorite sport. It's more like hockey is the first, second, and third favorite sport. Yeah, yeah. And and you couple that with their the Leafs are playing during the same season as the Raptors, and if the raptors aren't going to be good then the city's not going to be a great basketball city because there's nothing to take away from the leafs even though the leafs aren't good right. you know so i mean maybe if we were there during uh the vince carter years or when the raptors were were uh were playing a little bit better making the playoffs that sort of thing it would have stuck out more as a basketball city but while we were there people weren't getting too jacked about uh <laughs> You know, Demar Derozan's twenty footers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you grew up uh, a Bulls fan, but what other teams did you like? What were your other teams growing up? Because I feel like nobody's just got one team as a kid. Well, maybe a Chicago kid, you know, an Illinois-based kind of kid does. But what were your other teams? Were you know, were there any other ones or certain players that stuck out to you? I mean, you have like a top three from your childhood, I mean, I, not counting. I Jordan. loved.
1: The thing with uh, the Bulls was they won their last title when I was 14 years old. So when you're a kid, you kind of do just have one favorite team. Yeah, right. But as soon as that was over, as soon as Jordan left and the Bulls were done, it was kind of like starting new with the NBA because, yeah, the Bulls are the same team you've always loved, but it's not the same team. You know, Bill Wennington is giving the speech during the 99 season about how you need to stick with the team. (laughs) It's kind of... Kind yeah. of a bummer, but yeah. uh, I mean, Bill Wannings is <laughs> one of my favorite bulls of all time. But that's just not a, a great moment. But luckily for um, luckily for everybody, I think Iverson had came into the league that year, and I was a gigantic Iverson fan. And then it's weird to admit it. Uh, right around the '99 season, I also became a New Jersey Nets fan for a few years.
0: Oh, that's just a weird because one. because
1: I loved I loved Carrie Kittles and I loved Keith Van Horn. And I would say probably 70% of the reason that I liked both of those guys is because they wore high socks. <laughs> but I don't know. It just like they ended up on the same team, and, and they were supposed to be good, and they were kind of exciting. And Keith Van Horn was – I mean, there weren't a lot of stretch fours back in the, in the league back in those days. Dirk Nowitzki hadn't really become popular, and it was kind of cool to see a big, tall guy shooting threes. So uh, for – Reasons I can't really explain. I was a New Jersey Nets fan for a couple of years. There, I also, uh, I also loved the Dirk and Nash Mavericks and. And I've always been a Sam Perkins fan, wherever he's ended up.
0: (laughs) I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I I think I've told you about this before when we've talked, but I became obsessed. I really did. I mean, I used to collect cards and, you know, I I did the Jordan thing. So I had all my Jordans separate from all my other cards Mm -hmm. in the album in in their own individual cases. Um, And they ranged from a, a little, you know, loose plastic sleeve to a hard plastic case to the ones you actually screw for your best cards. Um, so Do you that was, still
1: have any of your uh, screw top cases? Yo,
0: dude, I've got them all. They've all yellowed over the years, but I have. <laughs> I still have. I still have all of them. Um, oh, yeah,
1: I used to collect like a Beckett
0: weeklies or, oh, or whatever, yeah.
1: Beckett monthlies or whatever. Oh, yeah, called. absolutely. You know, the price guides,
0: like yeah, yeah, yeah what, I, I was why subscribed. Why were we
1: collecting price guides when we were child? Dude,
0: I, I would. I mean, I, that would be like, like if my family was going on a, like a road trip out to visit family I had on the East Coast you know, that was what I brought. And I would sit there and just look at prices and look at the numbers in the of the cards. Like, Would you
1: have ever <laughs> sold one of your cards, though, when you were a kid? Or
0: I would bring, you know, I would sometimes bring them to like a card shop or a card show and see kind of like feel it out a little bit. But it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. now bringing in, you know, your video games to GameStop and And they look at you like, yeah, we'll give you $5, you know, for like all 10 of these games. And you're like, "Ah, I'll keep them. (laughs) I don't think I ever (laughs) actually sold them. But it was nice to know that your autographed Sean Kemp that you spent, you know, like half of your allowance on buying had gone up like $2.50 or something, which I did buy an autographed Sean Kemp card from a story at one point actually
1: oh yeah I had some uh Sean Kemp's uh Sean Kemp was one of my favorite cards to collect he always had pretty cool cards i loved Grant Hill his cards were uh, amazing and then I also had two cards that I always considered valuable for some reason they were um they were like extra tall cards they were the same width as a regular card but they were probably two card Two card heights tall. Really, and one was a Dino Raja, <laughs> and one was a Jamal Mashburn, and I was just convinced that they were the coolest cards. And it was like, <laughs> Dino Raja and Jamal Mashburn, are you kidding?
0: Yeah, I I, I remember uh, honestly, like back to the thing you said about liking. Uh, Kerry Kittles and Keith Van Horn because they wore tall socks. I started, you know, I obviously I collected Michael Jordan. I collected, I was, I mean, this is a whole a separate thing, but I mean, I started collecting um Dennis Rodman because he was a bull, but also because visually, to me, as like an artistic, you know, kid, I didn't see him as this like problematic, like crazy person. I saw him as this sort of like just just like total individual and like every time his hair, you know, at one point he had the bull in his hair and everything and like that. And like, man, that just, I thought was like the greatest thing ever. And, And so from that, I even went into just started collecting cards of guys that I honestly just thought looked cool. So at one point I started (laughs) collecting Michael Finley because I had a certain card of his that to me, he just like his something, his face just looked right (laughs) on the card (laughs) and like it stuck with me. I'm like, all right, I like Michael Finley now. So I had page after page, my card album of Michael Finley and, and like the, you know, but honestly, like, you know, sports cards for me as a kid, I don't know, uh, it's probably the same for you, but you know, they, they meant a lot to me because I would look at, at the players on it, but I'd also look at the design and I also really appreciated like the creativity that went into each card. And and that was kind of one of those things that I looked at as a kid and I thought, you know, somebody has to make this, that might be a cool job someday, like working on athletes and sports and stuff. And so, I mean, I always loved the cards too. Like, you know, anything different. One of the
1: first basketball things I really, really remember loving was, uh, a lot of people talk about the 91, 92 skybox set. This is going to sound so like we're getting so card, specific, yeah. A, it's okay. Such a card hipster thing, but people love the ninety-one, ninety-two Skybox cards with like all the you know, like the teal and purple and magenta shapes in the background. Yeah, the most nineties-looking cards. Yeah, the year before was the first set of cards I ever loved. It was like ninety-ninety-one. They had the gold border. And, like, it would be a black background. The player would be on there. And then on the back, it would have, like, their nickname written in cursive. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. It was, like, the first time yeah. the athletes and especially uh, basketball players were, like, extra cool to me. Because, like, I mean, the hoops cards are classics, but they look like cards, you know. These yeah. look like little tiny pieces of art that made players just look like superheroes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, they, it's it's it was dude, it was so wild to me when they started putting pieces of jersey in the cards. Do you remember that? Like they would actually start putting like uh-huh. game worn jersey embedded into like a, a two like a two ply card sort of like wedged in between there. Yeah, I still actually don't really understand how that worked.
1: Yeah. Or like how many cards they could make from one jersey. I would assume like 500 to 1,000.
0: Yeah, and they cut a tiny enough piece, but a kid gets to be like, oh, man, like he actually wore this little piece. And it's just like, it's so funny what means a lot to you as a kid, you know. Um, I don't know, do people still... So, I mean, you would know this better than me just because you're so immersed in this. But, I mean, the world of like card collecting and stuff, it's still there. I know it is because when you're in the checkout line at Target... Like there's <laughs> cards there, but like, do you know anybody who still collects them? Is it um, a thing?
1: I, I the only cards that I have any familiarity with these days is we've had Lee Ellis on our show a few times. Open packs of old basketball cards. Yes,
0: I know that. But,
1: but I don't know of anybody that's bought like a 2013 pack of basketball cards. I don't think. Maybe no. this weekend I'll go pick one up just to see what it's like.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be kind of funny to to open one up and. And, you know, just see, uh, you know, your very own Dion Waiters card. And, yeah. and I'll be like, all right, now what do I do with this? It's like, I don't know. I mean, as an adult, I, I can't imagine collecting cards um, and what I would do with them. It would just feel like clutter. But the more, I th- the more, the more I'm talking about it, here, <laughs> the more I feel like I'm probably going to end up going and buying a pack at some point. Yeah, and
1: now that I think about it, I actually do have the smallest collection of Brad Miller cards that I have just like... <laughs> Seriously, accidentally accumulated over the course of year, the years. And like Brad Miller cards, let me tell you, are not very exciting. It's <laughs> how many pictures of a guy grabbing a rebound or doing a pump fake could you possibly have? A little, little one-dimensional. One <laughs>
0: um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. what were you saying? Um, you know,
1: just talking about Brad Miller cards <laughs> and how silly it is to have more than one Brad Miller card. But I think I probably have 15 of them. Um, so I guess I, you could say I'm a card collector in 2013. Exciting.
0: Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that's amazing. You know, it's, it's really weird doing like this podcast thing. Cause someone will be talking and I'll just kind of forget that I'm not in person with them. And I'm just sort of saying like, you know, making a comment on what they're saying. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, nope. You've got the stage now. And then like, <laughs> all right, people are going to listen to this. And, and then you are like, all right, that was a little the awkward moment there. And then I just think like, I better acknowledge it. And then it's like 10 times less, less awkward. Um, Here's the
1: thing though. It feels <laughs> weird for you. Nobody will notice. You'll learn. You'll learn that all the mistakes you think you're making and the, and the gaps you're leaving... It just seems like it to you because when when somebody listens to it back, it's just smooth, baby.
0: Well, that's only because I go in and I delete those parts out. And then I add in a whole separate track of room noise. Yeah. (laughs) No, actually, the goal is to edit nothing, to be honest with you. I just kind of want to like have this sort of out there and it is what it is. It's the whole conversation. Um, All right. So anyways, all that stuff. So now you're back in the States you're back in uh, in Atlanta, actually. So I'm really curious to know, uh, to the extent that you can kind of discuss like the behind the scenes stuff. So you were part of Basketball Jones, which is to kind of where, you know, this whole thing of yours now with, as a career began, like being mm-hmm. with Basketball Jones. And, you know, now NBA TV picked you guys up. And now it's the starters, and you're on TV every day, um, doing that show. So I mean, I'm really curious to know what the what that transition has been like, and when that first was kind of put out there on the table as something that might be like an option. And you know, again, like to, to however much you can speak to that, I'm really curious to know how that all kind of came about.
1: Well, there's not a lot that I can really talk about. It it moved quickly though. It's uh, th- it just it worked out well for us that uh, they wanted us just as bad as we wanted to be able to do something where we could have, uh, you know, more of a presence in the United States and just a, a bigger distribution sort of channel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you guys moved all of your lives, all of your lives and your families and everything from, from Toronto to to, uh, to Atlanta. And I mean, was that a, was that a jarring transition at all? Cause I know Atlanta is so different than, than Chicago and, and Toronto and stuff and how yeah, have you been enjoying I, it. I,
1: I mentioned uh, that moving from Chicago to Toronto was, you know, no big deal basically. But uh, moving to, from Toronto to Atlanta is, is a lot different. They're, it's just a different sort of, sort of city down here. Things are more spread out. You're, you're driving more. Buildings aren't quite as tall. But, you know, it's uh, the middle of December and I'm walking around. And people are saying it's cold here and it's like 40 degrees. I'm wearing a jacket. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta is a different city, but uh it's it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've been here for two months. I can't I can't speak on it as an expert, but I've loved it so far.
0: Yeah. So being on the show now, so you're actually on TV and I think this is probably the funniest thing to me, the funniest and kind of most fascinating thing at the same time is you've you know, to go from being behind just the microphone where it's just your voice to suddenly having a camera on, you know, I know you guys used to do, you know, used to kind of stream the video of your, of you guys recording, uh, the podcast, um, back then, but now that it's on TV and it's like this highly visible thing and, and all that, I mean, how, how self-conscious do you feel sitting there with the camera on, you knowing it's like on TV as opposed to before when you're in this little room with those guys?
1: It's hard to say because uh, you do know you do know it's there. But then once we start going, once we start talking, it's like it's easy to forget they're there because once we just start going, uh, we just it's just kind of falling back into rhythm. Yeah, we have we have breaks we have to hit now. You know, instead of just going for forty-five minutes at a time, mm-hmm. flowing from place to place. But uh, once we're once we're talking we've tried to make it so that we can forget about all of the tv stuff as much as possible and just kind of focus on actually being able to talk about basketball
0: right yeah that makes sense i mean to kind of give yourself the ability to do it the way that you guys i mean the reason that you got you know brought on there in the first place was just because your conversations and the topics and everything were so interesting so it's like anything you can do to keep it as much sort of anchor it down to that as possible, I guess, is the way to go. And it sort of just kind of happens naturally as you're going. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's been awesome. It's been so fun to watch. And, you know, as a kid, another one of those things, in addition to like basketball cards was for me on Saturday mornings, I'd go watch NBA inside <laughs> stuff with Ahmad Rashad, which like, oh, yeah. aren't they, they brought that back with, uh, Grant Hill now. Is that right? They're bringing that yeah, back.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the first season for it, but I a hundred percent agree. I mean, one of uh, another early basketball memory for me is I think it was a jam session of the uh, the um the Run TMC Golden State Warriors set to uh, that song that goes You're Unbelievable you know yeah. that tune yeah uh, and like the just seeing those highlights as a kid and and seeing this team that you never, ever see play because you have to go to bed early, set to this song that just sounds awesome, and, like, every play they're making is a behind-the-back pass leading to a dunk. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that was a formative television show for a lot of people our age.
0: Yeah, because now, I mean, I've like i actually recently, like, I just, I I record the starters, and then I watch it in the morning now. It's become, like, this thing. I get up, I have my coffee, and I just, like, pop that on and watch the stuff from, like, the night before you know previously and, and um it's a lot of fun I mean, you guys are doing a really awesome job with it and it's been it's been super fun to watch as a fan of the show and as a fan of basketball and everything and and um i mean i would say you would really never know i mean you know uh, that you guys hadn't been on tv before it, it just it, it's supernatural and it comes well it's not supernatural two separate words <laughs> it's super it, space it, natural yeah, yeah dude you guys are always spaced out on it and, uh, <laughs> but um
1: uh, no. yeah well that's that's nice of you to say. I we we hope that comes across that it seems like things are coming to us natural and that there's chemistry there. Obviously, when when we're in the middle of doing it there are times when we're like, oh man, we still got have so much to learn and we have so many improvements to make, how to make this smoother, how to get into this kind of stuff quicker, how to make the show better. Yeah. But if I mean, but that's just because we're dealing with it every day, you know. We're not we're, it's hard for for us, I feel like, to to separate uh, the making of the show from seeing the show because we, you know, what goes into it.
0: Right. Do you have any involvement in the production of the show at this point, or did you before? Did you? We're, I mean,
1: I mean, we're all sort of involved in production to to a small extent. We're we're all in we have a meeting in the morning where we talk about everything we want to see. When, when we talk about like when you're seeing the highlights and the and the different replays you're seeing on the screen, yeah that's coming from us watching the games and taking notes of what plays we want to watch what plays we want to see, but then there are actual you know editors there because they're a giant gigantic sports network that are actually doing the work and making that stuff we're just we're just able to say this is what we kind of want to see, and then you know matt j d and Lee are really taking over to make the show, the show look like a show. Mm-hmm. And then of course there are, you know, there, like I said, there are the editors, there are the people running the camera that make it very easy for the four of us that are on screen to just be able to talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they have put all the content together and then you guys sit there and then, I mean, so far it's just been this really great seamless thing where you cue the clip, it's there and you didn't have to do anything. That's got to be pretty pretty nice feeling to just sort of present what it is that you want. And you got this kind of great outlet, you know, this platform with NBA where they have the resources to make that happen and everything. And it's really elevated yeah. the show. I mean, to have you guys be able to illustrate, you know, plays while you're sort of talking over them. I think it's funny. It's like listening to the podcast itself without watching the show is very different now Um, because you're sitting there sort of commentating on what it is you're seeing. So I've really taken to watching the show more and and really enjoy that. But it's, it's funny because you can actually still listen along on the podcast itself and it, you know, it makes sense. You can kind of picture what's happening. Although today I was really tripped up when I was listening to the podcast today, actually, and you guys did the, uh, the tribute to Dana Barros' uh, (laughs) 89 game, three point record streak. And you put that song on and it was so sad and I and I was like, oh man, like what are they showing right now? And like I hadn't been f- paying full attention right before that, and I was like, did he die?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the kind of thing that that is amazing to have. You know, it working. You know, anywhere that's not a gigantic sports network, we're not going to be able to find footage of Dana Barros. You know, making a ton of threes during his streak from 16 years ago or whatever it yeah. is. But with but working for the NBA, it's like, okay, we're working on a, a silly, stupid Dana Maros thing. Can you find us old school footage of him and then make it slow motion? And they're like, yeah, of course we can. <laughs> you know, that's Dana That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have a ton of footage of anybody, right? I mean, and there's probably nothing, honestly. I mean, there, I can't imagine just because it is NBA TV. I can't imagine there's actually anything you can't request, really. I mean, if it was on and it was an nba game i mean it's kind of yours to use and i think it's so great the freedom that you guys have too i mean that's such a such like a great thing to have too they're not it doesn't seem to me at all like they're trying to hold you back. I mean, from anything, I mean, you guys even talking about the sleeved jerseys and stuff or like what you don't like or things being ugly or being in a negative light or whatever. It's just, it's, it's awesome to have that sort of, you know, free reign to just talk about whatever you want to talk about. It doesn't seem like there's like a ceiling put on you guys uh, in in terms of like the content of the discussion.
1: Yeah. I'm, and that's definitely to their credit. They hired us because they liked what we did. They knew that there are going to be times we're going to be critical of the league but they also realize that that makes for a better show. That makes people trust you more. That makes people like you more. And I'm, you can't just like everything; They're, it's you impossible. Right, right.
0: And it would be you know, it'd come off pretty fake if you guys are sitting there trying to talk about everything in a good light. And so, I mean, I think the NBA is probably one of the you know, I mean, I, I think kind of the most personable league um, of all, like professional sports, just because there's that sort of. You know, just uh, like the the FaceTime of the players and everything. You know, mm-hmm. they just talk about it's the star driven league and everything, and I think that's true enough uh, so that it carries over into stuff that you guys do, where you can actually talk on such like a candid level of things, and people people just kind of get it. And it's half, you know, it's about this, the the game itself, you know, ninety percent of the time, but that other ten percent, like you know, a pass going awry and going into the stands and knocking some person over gets its own like nice little chunk of airtime. there, And I don't know, that's awesome.
1: Um, Yeah, uh, we, we watch a lot of basketball. So so there are just things we're gonna see that, you know, you would want to show your friends that you would want to say, like, you're watching it, you see, Uh, Ennis Cantor throw a pass to a guy who's cutting but he doesn't cut and it ends up hitting a cameraman in the face that's the kind of thing you're going to rewind at home and be like look at this this is hilarious so why wouldn't you want to put that kind of thing into your show
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Um, I mean yeah that's that's again that's all just kind of the stuff to me that's just made it so enjoyable and to have you guys have like all the resources at your disposal you know to show this stuff has made it so great Um, so uh, just a couple kind of quick like questions here like uh, in terms of, you know, walking around the studio and just being kind of at NBA TV sets and everything, um, have you had any, like, funny run-ins with, uh, with people, you know, hosts of other shows or player former players or anything? Um, you know, have you gotten in Brent Barry's ear and, and done your <laughs> laugh, you know, and surprised him like you did on that one episode?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, it is... It's still super weird to you know we recorded a show today and then we go back to you know our little prep room and and it's just uh, Ernie and Brent Berry just chatting it up and you know we just get into a little quick discussion about the race they're going to be running and it's it's still it's very still surreal to me that uh, that you can just that we are in a position now where we're just having conversations with Ernie Johnson. I mean I've been an Ernie Johnson fan since I was since I was a kid watching basketball, you know?
0: Have you met Kenny and uh, Charles Barkley yet? no
1: they they are harder to pin down we we're the show that records during the day for the most part okay so uh so those guys are there usually later at night I know Skeets did run literally run into Shaq the other day came out of recording turned the corner and Shaq was there gave him a little <laughs> a little elbow bump because Skeets was carrying his laptop but uh I haven't been so fortunate
0: that's no, that's awesome I think what's funny too is before I mean you, know, you guys have had access to all-star weekend and gone and interviewed players and stuff and and like you know I mean, maybe before they didn't know who you were, but now it's so visible. Now it's like on NBA TV. I mean, a lot of the players probably watch that and are seeing you guys. So have you, uh, you know, have you been to any sort of, I mean, obviously All-Star Weekend at this point hasn't come yet, but have have you met any players since you guys have done the show and had any conversations with them and, and like heard any any sort of like response directly from them or funny interactions or anything like that?
1: Um, I have not yet. And like you said, all-star weekend hasn't happened yet, but, uh, I imagine it'll be a little bit different once we go this year, just because we will have a little bit more visibility, which should hopefully make things even better.
0: Yeah. Make it better. And I assume that there's going to, they're going to be ready with some jokes too. Um, for you guys i feel like uh knowing you guys i can i can just imagine certain players in the league just ready with a good snap uh when you you know ask a question and they make a flannel you know plaid or something like that
1: (laughs) i i am anticipating the flannel and plaid jokes and for sure the hair jokes once we ever actually get into the entire all-star weekend (laughs) yeah
0: yeah um that's that i can see that being a rough one (laughs) like they're just waiting for you to ask them some kind of question and then they're like you know get to divert it with the question about the hair or the shirts or anything like that Um, but but, you know know. it's the risky run being on you know nba tv i suppose
1: (laughs) yeah and you know if uh if chris bosh shows up with my haircut we're definitely gonna say something about it so it's only fair
0: all right so which nba player would look the coolest with your hair None. Come on,
1: man. <laughs> this is a one, one person on earth should have this haircut. I I guess the answer would probably technically be Joachim Noah because that's whose hair I'm trying that's, to rip off. Anyway, yeah, that's so true. I, that's it wouldn't look too much different if he shaved the sides of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean it's pretty close already, so that's I guess that's a good a good gimme. Um <laughs> So anyways, all right, man. Well, uh, really good to talk to you. I know there's a great kind of, you know, a couple of games happening tonight and let you get back to them and everything. And um, really appreciate you talking to me and taking the time to to do this. I'd love to, um, you know, be able to talk with the rest of the guys at some point. that would be kind of fun, you know, after the show has been rolling for a while in the future and kind of hear um, all you guys maybe at the same time just discuss like, you know, after a while, you know, doing the show or, you know, and just kind of hear how it's going. But wish you guys nothing... But uh, continued success with it. It's been a blast to watch so far. And I uh, just kind of want to give you a chance to plug anything. I mean, any of the personal stuff you're doing or any of the starters-related stuff for your Twitter uh, or whatever.
1: Uh, just watch the starters. We're on NBA TV Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Sometimes we're on at 5. But for the, in general, we're on at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, we have the blog, NBA.com slash the starters. Uh, you know. Anything, any way you want to look at what we're making would be cool with us.
0: <laughs> I find that there's so many little outlets to basically get the same idea across. And it's, you know, like when I'm kind of figuring out how to promote stuff with this show, even I, I list off every one of them, like, just go to the website, you'll be able to find it and, and everything. Yeah, exactly. You know.
1: there, but you have to, you have to have, there are so many ways to get things out that if you're not getting getting things out in almost every way you can. It's silly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then your Twitter, uh, at talk, uh, at just at Trey Kirby, right? At Trey
1: Kirby, T-R-E-Y-K-E-R-B-Y.
0: Okay. Um, And and quickly explain the taco, uh, the (laughs) taco part.
1: um, (laughs) Oh, that's that's such a stupid story. Um, this was when we were recording an overdose version of, uh, the basketball Jones a couple of years ago. Uh, we somehow started getting talking about Wikipedia entries. And I mentioned that the only Wikipedia edit I'd ever made that had stuck was, um, that ta- that Joe Klein, former bulls backup centers, nickname was taco Joe, because back in the day he was like garbage time. And if he, if he would go to the line fans would just start chanting tacos, tacos, because, <laughs> you know, a hundred yeah. points in a win meant free tacos for everyone. So Taco Joe Klein became an actual nickname. I added it to Wikipedia. And then of course I offhandedly mentioned this on the show and say, if anybody if anybody changes my Wikipedia entry, which I still to this day don't really know why I have my own Wikipedia entry to include <laughs> that my nickname is Taco, I will change my Twitter my Twitter name to that. And then it just stuck, you know, Taco Trey Kirby kind of flows pretty well. And I really do like tacos.
0: Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) I I mean, every, when I was going to say your Twitter name, I was going to say at Taco Trey Kirby, it sticks that much. Um, That's right. So, all right, man. Well, that's uh, pretty much the perfect way to end this talking about tacos. And uh, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Perfect. (laughs) Um, All right, cool. Well, hey, thanks again, man. And enjoy the games tonight. And uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, really great to talk to you too. All right, dude. Thanks.